so how are we how are we starting? Are we going to just have like smashing glass and then? Oh my god, that's the podcast nobody asks for's music. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for, with me, Ian the Hitman Harrys. And me, Graham, I didn't think of a thing to put in here, Jones. I mean, there's weird, weirder wrestling gimmicks, isn't there? Yeah. Actually, I was going to save this, but let's go straight into it. We're going to talk about wrestling today, we're talk about wrestling because WrestleMania, etc. What is your favourite wrestling moment? Because where you talk about weird wrestling things, I have mine lined up, but I'm intrigued as to what yours might be. Favourite wrestling moment? Yeah. Oh, fuck me. That's, um... Okay, whilst you think about it, my favourite moment in wrestling is also the reason I arguably decided to stop watching wrestling. (laughs) Um, And that was when there was a storyline, I think on SmackDown, where Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, was going out with Mae Young, who was in her late 80s, early 90s, impregnated her, and then I think one of the Dudley boys did a powerbomb on her on an episode of SmackDown. And after the break, it cut to her in one of the rooms backstage. She'd gone into labor and then she gave birth to a human hand. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, um, that's an interesting one. It is equally my favorite and least favorite thing about wrestling. Well, it's one of, it's one of those things. South, South Park, as they often do, completely nailed it, didn't they? In their, uh, uh, wrestling episode. Uh, so my my favorite wrestling moment is I think it is the Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell. cell. Yeah, which a good one. is basically you're just watching a man die. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. If people haven't seen it, it was everything that could go wrong in a match goes wrong, and they accidentally uh, throw Mankind through the top of a, a steel cage. Well, not a steel cage, a Hell in a Cell. You know, what more could you want? So this week, as as you may have guessed from the fact you've clicked on a podcast where the title's in the name of it, we are covering films we would add a wrestler to. So like Graham said, we had WrestleMania uh, over the last two days. Uh, we both grew up in the 90s when there was swearing and beer in wrestling. And, you know, was wrestling a big part of you growing up up until the hand birth? <laughs> Ah, the age-old question. Yeah, I was I was legitimately obsessed when I was a kid. I um, favorite I wrestler. To, uh, favorite wrestler. Do you know? Okay, so probably favorite wrestler was probably Mankind. I think just what well, Matt and all the iterations of Mick Foley because I just loved the kind of like craziness of it. But I also I I really got hyped for when Taz came to WW at the time WWF from ECW because ECW was kind of like it was what it was kind of like a bit of a fabled thing right because you didn't have as much access to like media as you do today so you yeah. like you always kind of heard about ECW and you saw the odd clip here and there and obviously the whole idea was it's all extreme and stuff and then there was they really bigged up that Taz was coming over from ECW to WWE and it was going to kind of be like this extreme superstar and then actually turned out to be a bit shit. But I did name my cat after him. That's that's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not my current cat. My current cat is named Mia, who was named after you. I mean, it, Mia Wallace. But yeah, no, I, I loved wrestling. I used to stay up at 
ridiculous times. Used to watch the pay per views on Sky when they were like thirty odd quid a pop, um, and watch them till three in the morning or whatever it was. Yeah, loved it. But that was kind of solely my like the Attitude Era yeah. was kind of what I watched. To me, I think like I was thinking back on it, and it still feels like like Brock Lesnar is like a new wrestler because that's kind of the point where i stopped watching uh, okay it. yeah <laughs> that that's dated you quite well i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think the big thing that got me into wrestling was the fact my mum didn't want me to watch wrestling which obviously suddenly makes it clearly the big driving force in my life um yeah yeah no attitude era stuff we used to watch a lot of that when it was on but we never had sky so we had to wait for uh like when you had the odd show on like terrestrial tv oh and the weird like is it like Channel 4 Like did like a weird highlights package show? It was, it was either Channel 4 or Channel 5, I think. What was the one that like NXT's now replaced? It was like, was it, it wasn't Heat, was it, was it called Heat? I'm not it was sure. Like, where it was like the sort of trying out the new blood, but it was like a... I've, I just searched uh, Precursor to NXT and it just came up with Lego Mindstorms. I'm assuming it's not that. No, <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, it was, it was Heat. It was Sunday Night Heat. And it was kind of like the, yeah, I guess the precursor to, to NXT, where it was like the, the lesser known wrestlers that were kind of getting their run out. And I think that showed on terrestrial TV as well. Yeah, we, we got weirdly back into it during lockdown. I say weirdly, we made the conscious decision to watch a fuckload of wrestling. Um, our housemate got the WWE Network subscription, which has got basically every single wrestling match on there apart from chris benoit because for some reason they pretend he's not a thing <laughs> and we would just go back and what we would get like top 10 matches from re- uh, certain wrestlers and just go back and watch them all it's just fun i think my, my, my favorite growing up was always billy gunn badass billy gunn badass billy gunn you gotta love the fame asser there was some ridiculous i mean like the whole rikishi stink butt thing ridiculous billy gunn was with road dog right that was the tag team yes yeah and he had the great the great I'm an ass man. <laughs> bow, bow. Oh, and also, times. it's weird, right? So he, I'm picturing Billy Gunn in my head. He wore lime green hot pants with... With like pink um, trim, right? <laughs> pink, yeah, and like lips on them. I seem to remember. I think so, yeah. And it had me thinking back to like wrestlers in general. And some of them... Like, so let's take two of arguably the most successful wrestlers of that era, like The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? You are top of your game, top of your profession, right? You must be earning the bucks. I'm sure you've got the chance to call some shots. Why is your outfit of choice every night of the week that you're working just a pair of black Speedos? If I looked even remotely like The Rock, (laughs) I would come up with any excuse to spend the majority of my time in a pair of black speedos. Okay, but Stone Cold, like Stone Cold's not as impressive physically. Stone, Stone Cold was still a monster. Yeah, but like, in not, comparison not, not quite to the, the Rock. Not quite like the, the shoulder on shoulder, definitely not on steroids wrestlers <laughs> you get, but he was still a he was still a he was still a statue of a man. I don't know. I'm not just, sure, yeah, no, it's it's uh it's a strange one. Yeah, the costume department doesn't try a lot, do they? It's Well uh, Apart from, but then you go to the other extreme. Like, what's the the gold dude? Oh, gold dust. Gold dust. That's the one. And uh, stardust. <laughs> gold dust is 
Goldust is so weird. I think people forget how good a wrestler he is. Is like, he still? Is he still knocking about? So he's at least on last check. He was AEW now. Okay, which is a new wrestling or not a new? It's a wrestling promotion that's trying to be a lot more like in the independent wrestling spirit. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Jericho is a big voice in it. A bit of the bubbly. Yeah, I think it's owned by the son of the guy who owns the Jags. Yeah, Sh- yeah, Shad Shad Khan's. Yeah. yeah, but it's really good. You, you you get some some great matches on there. The, I mentioned before the the guitarist from Every Time I Die is now a wrestler in the AEW. Yeah, is it Sting is over there as well, right? I think so. I, I I think a lot of wrestlers have an issue with WWE sometimes that seems to have moved away from the spirit of what they saw wrestling as. Mm-hmm. And I think AEW is trying to clutch onto that as much as they can. It's kind of nuts as well. You talk about like some of the older wrestlers and stuff. Like the longevity of wrestlers, given the ridiculousness of some of the stuff they do, it just seems bizarre i i guess that there is elements of like not wanting to give up probably not being able to find money elsewhere having no health insurance and all that kind of stuff that makes them stick around and i know there's i mean we could do a whole podcast not that that's anything to do with what we podcast about but there's reams and reams of stuff about how awful vince mcmahon is and and all of that kind of thing but yeah it's it's kind of odd that you find these like old guys well into their 50s and 60s still knocking about in like, like Ric Flair's still about, right? Yeah, he's not wrestling, but he's still about. Undertaker retired last year. It's just like, I'm, I'm 31 and my knee gives me bother, let alone being thrown <laughs> around every other day. It's, again, and, and then some of the, some of the injuries you read sound like borderline torturous. Yeah. Like, there's the famous um, Vince McMahon tearing his quads trying to I think we've discussed up. this before yeah. but yeah it's fantastic yeah and then oh god yeah there was there was one I think the Undertaker no uh Triple H um tore something and you could see the muscle ping back when you watched it it's just like no yeah there was a really brutal one talking of mankind I think it was mankind and the rock it was on the uh, beyond the mat documentary where mm. he like the rock goes ham with a steel chair and yeah like they had a lot of bad blood I think afterwards for a while because Mankind or Mick Foley kind of felt that he went a bit too far. I think like, he said he could hit him a couple of times, then he hit him like 15 or something like that, yeah. right? And he was like drenched in blood and yeah. Well, in the in the the Hell in the Cell bit I mentioned earlier, which is worth it's worth watching. It, it's fucking insane. But I think he bit he bit through his own lip. That, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well I and I would I would I would guess that you know, similar we've said in the past, like there's certain like films that you may not have seen but you know the plot to them right like i would guess anyone even if they've never really watched any wrestling have seen mankind come off of the table off of the cell onto the table like that is such a like like everyone has seen that right yeah no exactly it's there's 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 a couple of kind of wrestling bits i want to i we will talk about through the episode but this is if you've if you've listened this far into wrestling this is still a movie podcast so <laughs> with that in mind welcome to our longest ever introduction yeah with that in <laughs> mind what is your movie recommendation nobody asked for for this week my movie recommendation this week this is a film that's set in a couple of different countries it really touches on dynamics of family and growing up um, it stars florence Pugh. Um, I'm of course talking about fighting with my family, which is a 
I guess, would you say semi-biographical take on um, the wrestler Paige and her route to the WWE? So she's um, UK yeah. based. Well, it's 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 it's, it's, bi- it's biographical with a pinch of salt. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Expertly written and starring Stephen Merchant as The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock is briefly in it. Yeah, it's just. It's just a lot of fun. It's I I didn't know anything about the story going into seeing it. I didn't really know anything about Paige or or what happened there. I also it was the first time I saw Florence Pugh in anything, and I thought she was fantastic in it. And obviously we've we've mentioned her a few times on the podcast as you know as a, as a great actress. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's on. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix at the moment. So um, worth. Uh, checking out we saw it at a preview screening i think thanks to film stories who are a great web magazine they also do a print magazine they have a kids uh, film magazine as well and obviously they haven't done it for a while but regularly put on these these excellent screening events um and we've been to quite a few and this was this was one of them and um, we sat in some some cow chairs yep and there was a couple behind us who asked if they were vegetarian <laughs> and <laughs> She kept asking to the point. It started off as a funny joke, and then it slowly dawned on everyone with an earshot that she was being serious. Um, so, if you're if you're a fan of Florence Pugh but aren't necessarily of wrestling, yeah. is there is there anything you would recommend? So, I would recommend another film set across two different countries. Really touches on the dynamics of of family and, and growing up, and as you say, stars Florence Pugh. Um, and that film is Midsummer. Um, Midsummer, what it lacks in wrestling, um, makes up <laughs> it makes up for with um with cultiness, face smashing, and bear stuffing, and you know all sound like they could be finishing moves of of your favorite wrestlers anyway. But yeah, Midsummer, Midsummer, it's your obvious double bill to fighting with my family. The obvious, obvious double bill. So with that in mind, we will climb into the ring. Q entrance musics, something about steel chairs. But it's my choice. Lace up your boots and put your banana hammock on. My first choice, and I'm going to add a, add a disclaimer from the outset. I am aware there are more wrestling promotions than WWE, even though I've only picked wrestlers from the WWE. We apologise if any wrestling connoisseurs or aficionados have listened to this and they're just thinking oh well actually there's a texas independent circuit and there's a couple of wrestlers on there it'd be great in a wes anderson movie um yeah sorry guys so i mean it's still the wwf to me so you know fuck the pandas (laughs) the bastards (laughs) Um, so i'm going to go from most well-known to least well-known in my choices, just to give me a bit of structure. So the first choice of this podcast, and I was going to do an elaborate intro on what he's won and, you know, a couple of facts and figures, but it's The Rock because okay. we can't... He, so he's called Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> he's the big, big Samoan Thor geezer. Ah, that um, did. That guy. But he's... We, we couldn't. We couldn't do a podcast where we're adding wrestlers to films without without for what the for better phrase touching on the rock um <laughs> i don't know about you graham but i have i have touched on the rock several occasions i did just now when you went and got dressed <laughs> 
So Dwayne The Rock Johnson is one of the world's most famous wrestlers. Like, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say I, he is the most famous wrestler. I would say he's one of the world's most famous people. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he, he was incredible. And again, I, I, I think he's one of those people who he was so good at what he did. I think a lot of people don't appreciate how good he was at it. Because he made it seem so effortless. You were you just trying to do the people's eyebrow there? So I, I was just going to make the point that I literally learned to move my eyebrows based on trying to do the people's eyebrow. Stay tuned to our Instagram stories this week for some, some <laughs> great gratuitous eyebrow footage. The only problem is, is I have blonde eyebrows, so it's quite hard to see. <laughs> I just, it's, it's the trust system of eyebrow <laughs> manoeuvres. But he's fucking incredible. I think that the best thing, the best match The Rock has done in wrestling is, so WrestleMania 17, he fought Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it is one of the best wrestling bouts, I think, especially one of the best WWF fights. I assume it's WWF then. Another disclaimer, we're going to be interchangeably using those words all episode. So he's fucking mental. He's been in. He's got to have been. He's got to be one of the highest grossing um, actors of the last ten years. He obviously started in uh, 2001's The Mummy Returns, which he was in for all of a couple of minutes, and then was very badly CGI'd at the end. Have you seen the guys that redo the CGI on it and make it look? Yes. Better? Yeah. By changing the lighting and things like that. Yeah, yeah. They basically upgrade. I think it was a couple of years ago that they did it, and they basically upgraded it. And yeah, they took the original footage and have just kind of worked. Well, like one yeah. of them worked on the textures. One of them worked on the lighting. It looks, it looks a lot better. I could look a lot worse. <laughs> I, I think that film put computer effects back a couple of years. It was, it was that bad. If this was an episode on dream fights, obviously what everyone would say is the Rock versus Brenton Fraser. It's the, the thrilling bout. Nobody realised they wanted. But we don't have to talk a lot about The Rock as a wrestler because everybody knows The Rock as a wrestler. Um, The question I have is, is The Rock an actor or a genre? Um, I think at this point it's the latter. Yeah, and that's not that's not knocking him either, but he, he so carefully crafted this brand about him. I mean, he's got his own TV series called... Is it just Young Rock? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is framed by him running for president in the 2030s, being interviewed about his youth. Yeah, he's also he's. There was a a recent survey has just found that 46 percent of Americans would support the Rock as president. Oh yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? He's the Rock. He, he's he's quite a clever guy, but it's does that mean? He's suitable for... Well, I mean, we did have Donald Trump for four years, so... Yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, arguably a much better businessman than Donald Trump because yes. he he owns the XFL uh, tequila company. Yeah. He is a part owner of Voss Water. He's just brought out a energy drink. Yeah. Uh, he's got a collaboration with Under Armour, which I believe are the most expensive items on the planet. Yeah. Oh, the Project Rock stuff, where you can yeah. get some headphones that are like 300 quid. But I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I have a beanie. It's great. <laughs> I did buy a vest, but I've got to chisel myself up a little bit for that. <laughs> but yeah, he's he has fingers in many, many, many pies. And it was his production company who did fighting with my family yeah so i think it's seven bucks i probably cost a bit more than that 
But yeah, he, he he's such a brand. It is very, very carefully cultivated. So, apart from a few outliers, I have decided that The Rock makes three different films. So, yeah. number one, he makes the, what I would like to call, the I Wish The Rock Was My Dad film. So that's your tooth fairies, your game plans, your rock is a father figure. He He's not ready for the responsibility, but through the film, he realizes that he wants nothing more than to be a dad to this boy slash girl slash pet. Um, yep. Number two, he makes the rock versus. So we have uh, San Andreas, which is the rock versus an earthquake. We have uh, the rock versus giant crocodile. We have the rock versus a tall building. You know, a lot of his films, I think you can go down to that. And it's not its not a character. It's generally The Rock. Yep. And then number three, the I Have Muscles But I'm Funny films. <laughs> so your central intelligences, which actually, no, I said funny, so let's not do that. I Have Muscles But I'm Funny, so your Baywatches. You know, yep. your the, the, the more kind of comedy-driven things. Yeah, exactly. And he, he seems to just kind of make films that fit into these moulds, and that's completely fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It buys into his brand of being an action hero, feeds into kind of this image that he's cultivating for himself, because if I had an image like that, I would want to cultivate it as well. But did you hear about how in, like, the Fast and Furious movies, like, there was, like, an accountant-based level of how much damage everybody could take. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about this before. So Vin Diesel apparently came up with a point system based on punches and kicks received to find out who had won. Right. Um, I think... I, I, I can't remember the specifics, but it was like uh, somebody had a stipulation where they, they, couldn't, they couldn't be hit last. Vin Diesel could only be hit, I think, a certain amount of times based on this fucking point system. And I think The Rock always had to give as good as he got. It's fucking crazy. What I would like to see from The Rock is kind of like your Tarantino Travolta movie. So I want to see him going completely against brand and completely against type and star in something that is just royally and completely fucked up. So let him kind of flex his acting muscles a bit and kind of put his physique to good use like stomping somebody's head into a prison toilet <laughs> i can't believe you didn't say flex's acting muscles oh fucking hell yeah all right i'll i'll, I'll say it now and i'll superimpose over <laughs> flex his acting muscles there we go uh, so i want him to star in 2017's brawl in cell block 99 which is one of the most fucked up films i think i've ever seen it's one of the most fucked up films i've seen that is still actually really it good. is very good it, there is a there's a part in it, and it actually has. There's the same issue in, I think, Dragged Across Concrete, which is the same director. Who we also um, saw at a screening done by Film Stories. Stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, um, for some reason, he has to have really badly done, like, decapitations in his movies. Like, they're, yeah. they're so bad. Like, everything else, it, the realism is, is there, and then the decapitations are just like obviously some kind of dummy head yeah so so brawl and cell block 99 is by s craig zaller um who is an incredible filmmaker um so he did bone tomahawk which is a horror western which is just insane that's very very good 
He also, like you said, did Dragged Across Concrete, which it was great, but there's a scene where Mel Gibson is in a room when somebody uses the line, there's certainly nothing hypocritical about the media handling every perceived intolerance with complete and utter intolerance. And that just doesn't sit right, does it? He definitely requested that line to be put in. A hundred percent. Well, he's in that, uh, that film about the dictionary, which is about forgiveness, basically. It's like, oh, I wonder why it's important to Mel Gibson to be in a film <laughs> where the prevailing point is how you should forgive people for what they do. But S. Craig Zeller's kind of his MO is slow-burning films that end in ultra-violence. Yeah. So Brawl in Cellbot 99 is about a former boxer turned drug runner who lands in a prison after a deal goes wrong. And who better to play a former boxer than The Rock? So in the film, he is played by Vince Vaughn in a role which, like, I think deserved a lot more credit than it actually got. It was kind of like his Tarantino moment, really. I know he did, yeah. like, he was in the Psycho remake, but probably less said about that, it, yeah. better. Was True Detective before? Oh, good question. He was he was very good in it, but that was a that was a series that was properly, you know, summed up with "I see what you were doing." Yeah, um, I kind of. I kind of heard it was nowhere near as good as the first season and then didn't watch it. Yeah, no, I, I, I never finished it either. But Vince Vaughn was very good in it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people give Vince Vaughn the credit he's warranted for how fucking imposing he is. Like, he's he's huge. But I would want, yeah, I would want The Rock in this gritty, ultra-violent prison drama. I think it works. I think it would give him the opportunity to... Play something that isn't just the rock. Would he? Would he do the, the sort of kicking the head off into the toilet, or would it be more of like a people's elbow? Uh, he'd rock bottom in, rock bottom in, yeah, straight through. Okay, yeah, there'll be a lot of turning straight to camera and doing the people's eyebrow. Yeah, and he'd obviously, he'd obviously work in the the prison kitchen as well, right? Because. Obviously, you'd need to smell what the, smell rock, what is the rock is cooking. Yep, nice. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the rock <laughs> But I, I just think it would... I'd like to see I'd like to see if he had the range to do like a role like that. Because there's, there's a big difference between playing action movie imposing and like realism imposing. Yeah. Because it, sound, it sounds stupid, but like you've seen the rock literally square up against giant fucking monsters. Or you know, do his whole... Like, I mentioned it before on a podcast, but it, on our podcast, but it's one of my favourite movie lines ever in Fast and Furious 7, where he's in a hospital after being injured, looks out a window, sees an explosion, turns to his daughter and says, Daddy's got to go to work, and then flexes his plaster cast off. Like, he can do all of that, but it feels like a cartoon character. So it doesn't feel imposing or... Yeah, you, you get what I mean. It's like there's, it yeah, there's there's no element of realism to it, so you're, yeah. you're take you're taken out of it. Whereas, arguably, you'd be more terrified of Vince Vaughn after he's yeah. watched him stomp someone's head off into a toilet. Yeah, so I, I I think seeing The Rock in something like that would work. You you can see him as a former boxer because he's a former wrestler. Yeah, but yes, that that's that's my first choice. It is forcing The Rock out of character and into a prison. <laughs> My choice is, of course, the one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin. Another man who needs barely any introduction outside of shattered glass. 
yeah exactly that yeah talking of that era that we we were talking about earlier like he is one of the you've, you've probably got what like maybe 10 wrestlers of that era that were like the very top of the game so the game triple h <laughs> obviously Oi. undertaker kane the rock Stone Cold steve austin who else was around then? Well, Mankind, uh, Cactus Mankind, Jack, yeah. <laughs> Dude Love, Mick Foley. Yeah, Cactus Jack was what you knew shit was going to go down when he was he was uh, out as Cactus Jack. So, um, but yeah, as in, like you say, no introduction, top tier wrestler. He is similar to the, if you've, if you've not seen any wrestling, you've still probably seen the Mankind being thrown off the Hell in a Cell. If you've not seen any wrestling, you probably still recognize that music. And... That's kind of what I want to lean on here. So for me, I'm going to base Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I think has been in a couple of movies, but generally quite forgettable. I think there was one that was a bit of a ripoff of like Battle Royale. Uh, yeah, was it? Condemned? Oh, Something like condemned? that. I was, I was about to say Confinement, but it's definitely Condemned. Yeah, I think it's Condemned, where basically there's... 10 convicts on an island and they have to kill each other and you get to watch and one of them um survives but he's definitely not had the quite the film career that that um the rock has had he has had some interesting t he he's got i don't know if you've ever seen um broken skull challenge i've heard about it but not seen it i can't remember it's on run random sky channel and if, if it's it's the type of thing that if it's on i'll put it on because it's just it's i i would say it's it's stone cold doing like Stone Cold branded Ninja Warrior in the desert. Sold. Well, the, the Rock <laughs> has got um, the Titan Games. Yes, which is the Rock does Ninja Warrior. Yeah, basically. But yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. It's it's set at his Broken Skull Ranch because obviously. But yeah, I don't think he's been in too many at least successful films. So I'm gonna take Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm going to insert him into the only film where it seems like it makes the most sense for Stone Cold Steve Austin to appear completely in character as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that film is <laughs> uh, Marvel's Endgame. And the reason, <laughs> the, the reason why Stone Cold Steve Austin needs to appear in Endgame and the reason why Stone Cold Steve Austin is... So this is all based around one scene in the film, which is you've got Captain America standing there facing down Thanos and his hordes and he's like, oh, he's outnumbered. And instead of just seeing some like fancy portals opening up and people flying through, <laughs> I want it just to kind of go pitch black. You hear the glass smash. You hear the music come down. Stone Cold bowls his way down towards Thanos, beer in hand. You've got JR commentating, oh my God, King. <laughs> like, it's just going crazy. Come straight down. Stone Cold's done on Thanos. Uh, end game over. So, yeah. So, done. Next choice. <laughs> so, would you, would you, so, would it just be Stone Cold and Captain America versus Thanos? What else do you need, Ian? Good point. <laughs> Good point. None of so, this, none of this mantis shit. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. So, so would would he bowl down or would he quad bike it down? Oh, no, I think he needs to be. It's full on. It's the it's the Austin swagger walk. He's got his leather waistcoat thing on as he's walking down. He's got six pack in hand as he's walking. 
waistcoat comes off, cracks a few beers. Yeah, Stone Cold Stunner on um, Thanos. The Stunner is one of... There is an amazing compilation of people overselling the Stunner. <laughs> oh, there's been some great ones. Cause Cause I, I, I've I, seen one where I can't remember who it was, but it like, literally feels like they do like a double I think it's flip. I, I, th- I think it's The Rock. Oh, like, really? They stunner him. He then like jumps all of like fucking six feet up in the air, <laughs> hits the floor, and just like catapults back up. It's and then in their fight as well. Um, so in the WrestleMania 17 one, The Rock stunners Stone Cold. Yes, yeah, which, I which that. as a kid was like the how's, <laughs> how how is he doing his move back on Stone Cold? I mean, this doesn't surely this is illegal. Like, we're gonna have to call it <laughs> some kind of human rights court. What was your favorite uh, wrestling move growing up? Ooh. I say gr- I say growing up as if you've uh, well in my more formative years it was the stunner, <laughs> but now I do appreciate um, the angles. I was slap. always partial to a submission. I quite like the walls of Jericho. I, I once had to miss a band practice because I threw my back out putting someone into the walls of Jericho at a party. It's <laughs> <laughs> very on brand for you. It was great. The drummer was like really fucked off. I had to cancel short notice and asked why, and I told him, and there's just a pause. He's like, "No, nah, fair enough." I got I got a lot of time for that. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think that that would probably be up there. Obviously, I also quite enjoyed the the simplicity of like a big show choke slam as well. And then also and some of the some of the ones that were nuts, like the idea that the Swanton bomb where the back of your head kind of hits someone on the chest a bit was be enough to finish so, them off. Well, the people's elbow. All the people's elbow. But then the Swanton bomb also <laughs> falls into the category of like I would say to pluck a percentage number just solely from the depths of my ass on this one. Like, 80% of finisher moves would hurt you more. Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, like the Swanton Bomb would not hurt the person you've landed on. It's gonna hurt you. Yeah, yeah, because essentially they're, they're getting, like, the back of your head on their chest or whatever. You are flipping from a turnbuckle and landing on the landing on the mat which you know isn't as soft as it looks yeah no i i, I did used to like the high flying stuff i i was a i'm but again like the simplicity like uh the last ride who was that uh undertaker it was his power bomb one. Oh yeah so he yeah. gets them up that on his shoulders a... and then lifts up and then slams them down yeah 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 well one of my other favorite ones was the um the Rey mysterio one where like Every match, they conveniently fell in the way that they were over the, exact- the ropes. Like, <laughs> yeah. like no one ever falls like that, apart from just towards the end of a Rey Mysterio match that he's going to win. Yeah, and then you've got the uh, uh, just the spear. There's a yeah. lot of spears. Or the gore. Rhino did the gore, right? Which was essentially a spear, but yes, the yeah. RKO. I do love the RKO out of nowhere. Yeah, which would also work quite well in Endgame as well. Just if there's a huge <laughs> battle going on and there's just RKO out of nowhere and that 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 ended it, <laughs> that, that would be great. To be fair. <laughs> well, well, Captain America looks like he could RKO. We'll we'll just get him involved. Yeah. Well, I he mean, he. I mean, he he picks up Molginor, right? He's he's ripping off everyone's moves. So Mol- Molginor. Well, however you say it. Yeah. Mjolnir. What? <laughs> Mjolnir. That's a it's it's uh, that's Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Cap, uh, that's a Thor two quote. <laughs> Cat, Cat Dennings? Cat Dennings? I always want to say Cat Jennings, but it is Dennings, right? It is definitely Dennings, yeah. She's fucking brilliant. She is one of the best parts in WandaVision, actually. Which is a very good series. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's fucking phenomenal, isn't it? She is, she is great. But yeah, 
I mean, we've we've got completely off topic, and as you can tell, I didn't take this as seriously as you did. But yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, purely for the entrance music um, during the the end game battle, Battle for Earth, I think it's called the the set piece. And um, so how would how yeah. so how 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 would it work, right? So is this literally the first time you've seen Stone Cold, or do they will he be? You know, when they've got like the the meeting where they're talking about people they've lost, like at the beginning of the film, like he'll yeah, just yeah. be there. Yeah, I, I think so. And also, you know what, we, Captain, if you ever need me, we probably get uh like in between Infinity War and Endgame, like we did with Captain Marvel. We we just get a Stone Cold movie. I'd, I'd watch a Stone Cold Marvel movie. But yeah, yeah, so like Cap Cap is staring down Thanos, thinking what the fuck's gonna happen, and then. And tell me, tell me that you cannot picture this solely based on the music. No, 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 I could see that. I could also see him, just to throw Stone Cold into more Marvel movies, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Just replace Hulk with Stone Cold. <laughs> I introduce you to my champion. Hello, old friend. Smash. Yeah. <laughs> and that that would, uh, oh wait, no, that's not post-Endgame, is it? It's pre-Endgame. That, that's where they meet. Yeah, okay. And then we just we just forget we we I was gonna say we're tossing off Hulk, but that's not something. Hulk, yeah, that's that's not. You'd drown. <laughs> <laughs> we're um we're just disregarding Hulk from the rest of the uh, in, in favor of in favor of Stone Cold. Yeah, serious question though. Would Hulk jizz be radioactive? I thought we were gonna say would it be green? Um, that's that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a stupid thing to say. Now back to my radioactive semen. Uh, prob probably. I don't know. You know, there's a Spider-Man comic I think called Spider-Man Rain, which is set in kind of like the future, and MJ has died of cancer because yeah, Spider-Man yeah. had radioactive jizz. Yeah, I, I I distinctly remember that being completely horrifying. Also, Hulk Hulk jizz. Is that played by the Cantina Band as well? Yeah, yeah. So Hulk Jizz is it's a precursor to Two Tone Jizz, <laughs> um, a bit kind of upbeat, scary, but you know nice. more of kind of a jungle background. Like it. Need to listen to some. I don't know what to say now. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, there you go. Ridiculous yet absolutely want to see it. So I'm gonna. Mix it up from my previous choice. So I'm going to talk you through the film first. So this film is 1999's Being John Malkovich. So Being John Malkovich is a batshit insane film that basically is about a small hidden door on floor seven and a half of an office building that leads into the mind of John Malkovich. If you walk through the door, you get to see the world through his eyes for 15 minutes and then you get ejected next to the New Jersey Turnpike. It stars, obviously, John Malkovich. It stars John Cusack, who apparently read the script after he asked his agent to present him with, and I quote, the craziest, most unproducible script you can find. <laughs> it was written by Charlie Kaufman. So Charlie Kaufman is a screenwriter who I still can't figure out if he's a genius or if he has no idea what he's doing. So he wrote, being John Malkovich, he also wrote a film called Adaptation. So have you yeah. heard of Adaptation? I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So at the, the true story behind Adaptation is apparently Charlie Kaufman was hired to adapt 
a book called The Orchid Thief, which I think was renowned as being quite a difficult book to adapt. Charlie Kaufman then proceeded to write a film which is about Charlie Kaufman adapting The Orchid Thief. (laughs) So Charlie Kaufman in that is played by Nicolas Cage, who also plays Charlie Kaufman's fictional twin brother, who is also credited as being a writer on adaptation. Christ. You are watching the film that they are writing in the film, and it's fucking amazing. Um, He did a film called Sindoki, New York, which I think is good. But it's up there with kind of lighthouse level. I don't actually know what's happening. That's um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, I think it's a good film. I'm fairly sure it's a good film. But also... Bleh. So Charlie Kaufman wrote the screenplay for John Malkovich. Yep. And he had no other actors in mind. Uh, apparently a couple of studio execs want him to rewrite it as being Tom Cruise. But he said it's either John Malkovich or nothing. And one of the reasons I love Charlie Kaufman is... He said that to every producer who wanted to take on the film, that he would turn to shoot them down if they weren't behind John Malkovich being in the film. That included John Malkovich. (laughs) So John Malkovich read the script and he loved it, but he didn't think it was right for him. So he wanted to produce the film instead. And Charlie Kaufman refused it and said, well, no, unless John Malkovich is in it, we're not going to do it. (laughs) But I I have an idea of who could be it instead of John Malkovich. And that is the 13-time WWE champion, uh, the three-time world heavyweight champion, uh, the two-time or four-time tag team champion, the five-time WWE United States champion, the 2012 Money in the Bank winner, and the 2008 and 2013 Royal Rumble winner. That is obviously the hustle, loyalty, and respect that is the Doctor of Thugonomics, John Cena. I just can't see it. I think it would work. So John Cena is arguably one of the most polarizing figures in wrestling. Like people either really like him or they absolutely loathe him. I think part of that is he went from what was seen as quite a cool character, even if he was called the Doctor of Thugonomics, into what John Cena called as like goody two-choo Superman. But he seems like a legitimately like great guy. Like he's done 650 Make-A-Wish visits. And he's also, like, really funny and really open to taking the piss out of himself. It's a complete tangent. Do you know who else apparently is, like, has, does loads of stuff for Make-A-Wish? Who seems like an absolute dick, but does loads of stuff. No. Guy Fieri. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Guy Fieri turns out to be, like, a saint. Yeah. He's, he seems to be, like, one of the nicest guys around, but he just yeah. comes across as, as such a bit of... Well, a bit of a he tip, seems like really. such a bell end, but everything you read about him is just like, oh shit, you're you're a yeah. really really nice guy. But John Cena, John Cena seems to be in on the joke that John Cena is ludicrous. Like yeah. any wrestler, any person of that size is inherently stupid, and he's completely owns that. He's also really into kind of like the meta humor stuff. So last year at WrestleMania, they he did a pre-filmed segment that was called the Firefly Funhouse match with. Uh, a wrestler called The Fiend. The match was basically just going back through his wrestling career and mocking him. There isn't a film that is full of meta humor quite like what will now be called being John Cena. It also works on the level that there is a very important... So the portal changes when John Malkovich hits 44, basically. So 44 is an important age. Guess who is 44 on the 23rd of April? Could it be John Cena? John fucking Cena. <laughs> 
but I think he's got like he is he's a really funny guy. Like he's he was in Blockers and he was really good in that. He comes across really well in interviews. There's a video of him reading Thirst tweets, which is one of the funniest things on YouTube. He he also falls into the same category as Brock Lesnar. That to me. He seems like a new superstar to the WWE because he was new around the time I stopped Fuck watching. Hell yeah! So he so he joined two thousand one, and then from two thousand four two thousand five was when he was the John Cena we would recognize now. But technically, as well, like he's fucking great. But I I just think it works. I'd watch it. I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's just a film where John Cusack crawls into the mind of John Cena. Yeah, why not? Yeah. What more could you want? And I mean, obviously, that then I'm not going to open up the question of whose minds you want to crawl into because that's really kind of creepy. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's also going to be again. I'm going to have to possibly just go back and re-edit podcasts if this film turns out to be shit. But he is in the Suicide Squad, <laughs> and from what peace, we can see from the trailer, maker, right? Yeah. So who wants yeah. peace? At, uh, he wants Any peace cost. so badly he's willing to kill for it. And he comes. He seems to come across really well in that. And he's now got a TV series off the back of it, apparently. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I, I seem to remember seeing that they're doing a, a Peacemaker TV series. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see him. I don't think I've actually seen him in anything. I know he's been. I, he's had a similar trajectory to Stone Cold, right? In that he's been in a few films that are mostly forgettable, but maybe a little bit better. So, so the the difference is so the. WWE films John Cena was in are very similar to the Stone Cold ones. Right. So you had The Marine. Yeah, that's that was like the big one that I remember seeing a lot of advertising around. Yeah, which is your stereotypical WWE film wrestler in a generic action film. But then from kind of... So he was in Trainwreck. Right. He was in Daddy's Home, where he was actually quite funny in. And from there, he seems to have realised... He does seem to be leaning a lot more into the comedy side of stuff rather than the action side of stuff. He was in Doolittle, but we're not going to talk about that until we're doing a bad accents and slights on the Welsh people podcast episode. Um, he's also been cast in uh, Fast and Furious 9 because obviously he looks like he could be Vin Diesel's brother, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, he's um, he, he has made some very funny films. So, like I said, Blockers is well worth watching. But yeah, he seems to have broken into it. I think because he, yeah, he has embraced the comedy side rather than the action side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the problem with embracing the action side as a wrestler is you very quickly fall into being just your just yourself. Like I, I, I think The Rock is especially the exception to the rule when it comes to that. Is I can't think of anybody else who could get away with that really. No, no I don't think so. So being John Cena, I think it could be the best film that's never happened. <laughs> Anyway, my second choice. So, as we have well established, to me, the newest wrestlers in WWE are the likes of John Cena and Brock Lesnar. Have you heard of this new up-and-coming wrestler called Hulk Hogan? (laughs) Because I haven't really watched much from, um, yeah, anything from, like, really early 2000s onwards. However, there is a much more recent character that has been, I guess, become part of the zeitgeist outside of wrestling fans um and has definitely piqued my interest in sort of delving into it a bit and you you mentioned at the top where you um your housemate has the uh the wwe subscription i also have access to his wwe subscription and have used it to to watch some (laughs) of these matches and stuff sort of off the back of this and that wrestler is 
I guess it, I guess it is the wrestler. I don't know, or it's part. It's 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 two parts to to a to one person. But essentially, the wrestler in question is is the fiend, and the fiend, yeah, is is I guess probably one of the most intriguing parts of of WWE to me that I've seen in a very long time. I think, um, yeah, it's, I've seen a lot of like the Firefly Funhouse stuff on um, on YouTube, and there's a lot of the pieces around the more recent sort of like return that he had ahead of wrestlemania so there was a cool bit where he sort of like appeared through the ring and and stuff and it feels like the most it feels like the character that's had the most kind of like effort put into it for a very long time like i watched the i watched bits of the royal rumble this year for the first time again in a very long time and a lot of the a lot of the wrestlers that came down just kind of felt instantly forgettable. Whereas there's something about like a yeah, it's similar to like the whole Kane mythos in the late '90s and, and early 2000s. Like it feels like there's something of of real interest here. The other, so I mentioned obviously seeing some of the stuff around the Fiend and stuff on on YouTube piqued my interest. The other thing that has piqued my interest about wrestling, like wrestling at the moment, is the Bowling for Soup song about Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I had no idea who she was until until that came out, and obviously there's there's a crossover there with with the fiend as well. So I think the fiend as a character is 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 an interesting one. I think he's ripe for a revenge tale. So like, as I understand it, like his whole bit in the WWE is like getting revenge on those that have wronged Bray and the Wyatt family, yeah, who's now basically a kids TV presenter. personality. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. The the Firefly Funhouse stuff is legit. Like he he he's definitely the most cinematic wrestler. I think. Yeah, I I think so. And like the whole thing at the moment, I think from reading up on it was like his whole beef with Randy Orton is like he burnt down his house or something, and that's why he wants to get the uh, him. Did he burn him as well? Yeah, I mean, the world's biggest inverted commas, but obviously Randy Orton burnt the feed so that the feed wouldn't come back. Um. And then right. he did. Ah! And well, then Alexa Bliss burnt Randy Orton and he wore a stupid, like... Alexa Bliss mask. shot fire at him. <laughs> the whole, like, yeah, her shooting fire at his his face and then he had to wear a weird gimp mask with, like, sunburn rings underneath it for a while. So I like the character. I think it's it's interesting. Like you say, is is quite cinematic and I feel like he... I mean, the obvious the obvious thing to do is take the fiend and place him as the antagonist in a horror movie and thinking back to his motivations so like the revenge tale etc i feel like we need to bring the fiend into the original friday the 13th nice so first off the fiend is a much better foe than a middle-aged woman (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) jason's mum like i the twist is great i guess but it's it, I don't know, it feels a little forced, right? And it feels a little, like, copying Psycho to a degree. Yeah, it, it was definitely tropey, yeah. to say the least. And it's not even like she's particularly imposing or anything. Or that terrifying, really. But yeah, so I think he's also, like, pretty deformed, like Jason. You might have to sort of change the story a little bit from, like, Jason drowning in the lake to being burnt or something but yeah i just think it's i think he's ripe for for putting into this kind of horror movie scenario and as i say jason's mum is a bit rubbish also because of the whole like 
fiend alexa bliss kind of they kind of come as a package deal so i think you could probably get her in to take the like the alice hardy role and the fact that she would be the one that quote-unquote takes him down in the end of the movie would kind of fit quite well with what just happened at wrestlemania i don't know if we would see her head leaking oil like we did at wrestlemania yeah yeah i mean when, when, when we watched that match i was just thinking you know what this is going to end with someone leaking oil from the head. <laughs> as, yeah, as, as you do. But yeah, I don't know. I just it, it just feels it just feels right. Ian. I think it does. I, I I mean, he's so even before he was so before the fiend, Bray Wyatt was kind of basically like it was like redneck cult stuff, right? So he he had the family and he walked around with a lantern, and it was legitimately creepy. Like he, he, there's so much kind of horror backing behind it that a horror movie just makes sense. Like whether it's yeah. Friday the Thirteenth or whether it's like fucking Hatchet or whether it's one of the countless other films which are just described as. So there's these woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have like the weird hillbilly family, you could go down the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre route as well. Yeah, yeah, or the. Um... Hills of Eyes. Yeah. That's less woody and more deserty though. Yeah, and a little bit more deformed. Whereas like you could go like the level face and the like the fiend is technically a mask, isn't it? Oh, this is fun. Speaking of deformed, um one of my favourite things with wrestling is when like I think you you mentioned this the other day, where you messaged a WhatsApp group just with by the way guys, how did they ever explain why Kane doesn't have burns? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Undertaker's hideously deformed burnt brother. Yeah, abs- absolutely fine. But yeah, I I do like I like the um I like the leaning into these like over the top gimmicks um like the Kane stuff. Oh, the Undertaker to a degree as well. Even some of the you know where you go way back to like Jake the Snake Roberts and and stuff like that. It just it feels like wrestling needs to make sure it doesn't take itself too seriously because that's when it becomes a bit crap i mean there's the other end of the spectrum as we mentioned as an old woman giving birth to a hand but there's a sweet spot in between like taking yourself too seriously and giving birth to a hand that's that that, that, that's what my granddad taught me (laughs) that's what his granddad taught him but yeah i I feel like that's that's where you kind of there's a lot of like when again when i was watching the royal rumble like some of them just they just look pathetic. There's 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 elements of them looking pathetic, and there's elements of them like really overusing their like nicknames. So I forget the name. There was a there was a guy in it who actually, to be fair, seemed like quite a good wrestler. I think he was an NXT wrestler. But his nickname that they gave him was the Archer of Infamy, which was is just <laughs> so shit. <laughs> And they kept referring to yeah, and like it was the the only connection I could see was that when he was like taunting his opponents, he like drew a bow and like pretended to shoot. It it feels like I don't know. Maybe they've run out of ideas. I don't know, but I like I I do do more of this cool stuff with the the fiend and the Wyatt stuff that you mentioned, and less of like really really shit. Yeah, I do, I do like yeah. When, when gimmicks go wrong, they're fucking just painfully bad. I've seen there's a uh, there's a new giant in the WWE now. Oh really? Who's so he's just shy off of 
biggest tool is Andre the Giant. Oh, wow. It's like a couple of centimeters different. He's a Nigerian former college basketball player um, who's seven foot three. Jesus. But he doesn't look... He looks shredded. <laughs> right. Like, you, you, you know how a lot of the times when you're... Like, he's not lanky seven foot. He's huge. Like, um, more... More mountain from Game of Thrones, okay, kind of thing. But he was in WrestleMania, and like he's got a way to cut, a way to go because they're clearly training him up. They didn't hire him for his wrestling expertise; they signed him up because he's seven foot three. Yeah, but yeah, like that's that's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. He is called, I think, Omos. Omos. Yeah, he's now the he's a tag team champion uh, with AJ Styles. Who AJ Styles, who is taller than me, but looks tiny when he's uh, fighting with him. Yeah, I, I, I was just looking up. He, he is a, a large, large man. I could probably take him still, but no. So I mean, you know, if if we could take out Bane from Batman and Robin, we're going to be able to take out him, aren't this we? This is this is very true. He also seems to be dressing like The Rock in the nineties with a polo neck and a gold chain over it. Yeah, all, all he needs is a bum bag. Yeah, but yeah, and I think that's that's kind of what the why I kind of feel quite endeared towards the fiend um is that yeah it's just kind of it feels reminiscent of of some of the the cool attitude era stuff and to be honest look i've mentioned replacing jason in friday well jason's mum in friday the 13th as like the the way to get him into a film but arguably i would say like his own movie like the character feels like his dessert it could be deserving of like a feature length film talking into the stuff you were talking about with all like the the hillbillies stuff the all of the elements around like the firefly funhouse stuff yeah it feels like he could probably you could probably get an interesting sort of standalone movie out of that as well oh no definitely definitely it's so much fun. I'll put in, in our episode notes, you will find a YouTube playlist full of videos vaguely related to what we've talked about. I'll put a load, as many of those Firefly Funhouse videos as I can in that, because they're so fucking creepy. Yeah. Because um, I think before they before they launched him, they, they released more and more that gradually got more and more fucked up. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit in places of, don't hug me, I'm scared. Oh, God. <laughs> which again is uh i don't know if our dear listeners out there have watched don't hug me i'm scared but it's a mind fuck it feels like somebody is inside your mind fucking you um oh the time song yeah. it always catches time is a clock it always catches me out so i think we've probably spoken about this before we have a shared playlist that is about three thousand um three well more than three way, way more than three thousand songs long now and i think that's the only song on there that's from um don't hug me, I'm scared. I think so. But it will, every now and then, creep up on shuffle. And it's still, it will either be like my phone's too far out of reach and I end up listening to it and it scars me, or I see it there and I immediately skip it. Yeah. I never listen to it for fun. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared for fun. I watch it because I need to feel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll leave it there, shall we? My final choice then. So if you're if you're watching wrestling, you'll know who this person is. If you're more like Graham and you're just a real cool dude, well, yeah, <laughs> real cool, real hip, um, with the wrestling sensibilities of when he last watched wrestling in the early noughties. So, women wrestling in 
the WWE has come a long way since. Like, when we started watching it, it was just like, it was pillow fights and bra and panties matches. Yeah, and a general acceptance that calling people's uh, breast puppies was completely okay. Yeah, they, they were referred to as divas up until 2016, when they shifted to calling them WWE superstars in line with the men. And there's been a real marked shift away from focus on sheer sexual appeal to athleticism and actually wrestling. And you had an interesting thing a couple of years ago, but where the most exciting stuff WWE was doing was the women's division in NXT. You had the obvious thing of, so I think you had a wave of wrestlers that came along with kind of, kind of the page era, um, which we talked about with fighting with my family, yep. where you had page, um, I think it's AJ Lee, uh, like the Bella twins and things like that. And they seem to be the first people who they, they were actually, they were wrestling right it was they were that was first and foremost what they were doing rather than just being kind of eye candy the next wave kind of after those was people like so sasha banks uh bianca belair who just did the day one headliner of wrestlemania which is a fucking incredible bout you've got charlotte flair who's rick flair's daughter uh, alexa bliss raya ripley natalia becky lynch who i was very close to picking for this choice and it's some of the most exciting wrestling you've seen. Like the athleticism on display is just insane. And because they're, I, I think sometimes you have a problem with wrestling where when you've got two like six foot five, 200 pound brick shit houses of men fighting, you can kind of be limited in what you can do. Yeah. The whole brute strength stuff is kind of cool, but it can get a bit, tedious and a bit boring if it's not done right and i think that's why it becomes interesting like those kind of matches only really become interesting when there's another element thrown into it it's like a, a cage match or, or something like that right that that's yeah. or a triple threat or, or whatever it might be or they're very good wrestlers yeah like 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 the the, the rock again uh, the rock and cena have are uh, basically fit that description but they're able to tell a story through it like, you know, they're, they're of a level where they can use the limitations associated with being a massive fuck-off dude um, to the credit of what they're trying to do. But the women's division, like, the athleticism on display is fucking mental. My choice for this is the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. So Asuka... What am I asking her? Hey, Asuka, I barely know her. So Asuka is a Japanese wrestler... She was signed by WWE in 2015, uh, making her the first female Japanese wrestler to be signed since, like, 1994. And she is my favourite wrestler. Like, I legitimately think she is the best thing about WWE right now. She's just great. Like, the she's insanely technically proficient. She's really fun to watch. She can both be really funny and really serious while not speaking a word of English. Right. So she can obviously speak English because she's been working for an American company in America for six odd years. Um, but obviously she's a, a, a native Japanese speaker and her character sticks to speaking Japanese. She holds a record for... So she had the longest reign in WWE history, so she held the NXT Women's Championship for 510 days. And some of the fights she had were just fucking crazy. So if you, if 
for example, say if you do have a friend who has a login to WWE Network and you have access to it, <laughs> there's an NXT fight, I think, from like a Brooklyn takeover, which was Asuka versus a wrestler called Ember Moon. And it's just insanity. She's also, or she was part of a tag team called the Kabuki Warriors with a wrestler called Kari Zayn. And they were really fun. And she just kind of leans into just fucking weird. Like her hair's really brightly colored, her attire's really brightly colored. She carries herself like she's not fucking human when she's walking down to the ring. Her entry music is amazing. Like she is just so fun to watch. Well, that's that's the only thing I know about her is her entry music. It's a very good song. Yeah, right. It's fucking amazing. She hasn't really done film. And by hasn't really, I mean she hasn't. <laughs> I, I Like I said, I, I was torn between her and Becky Lynch. That must have been painful. Uh, is also a very prominent women wrestler. I'd recommend uh, kind of checking her out as well. And she's had some crazy fights with Oscar too. But, so the film I'm picking for her is, I think, arguably, like, one of the best films to add a wrestler to, just because of the plot of the film. Um, I also think it is a crazily underrated um, piece of cinema, and that's 2010's predators i fucking love that movie yeah and to be more specific because this series has a stupid naming convention predators is the third standalone predator film so you have predator predator 2 predators the predator that's that's up there with shaft for um yeah do you know what the sequel do you know what the sequel to shaft is called um no not off the top of my head shaft shaft yeah okay and shaft isn't so Shaft is a reboot. Uh, sorry, uh, a sequel of Shaft. Yeah, and he's... So the Shaft, Shaft 2, 3, Shaft, Shaft. And Shaft is in Shaft. Like, the original Shaft is in the reboot of Shaft. Yeah, right? yeah. So so Shaft in Shaft is Shaft's son Shaft. Yeah. From Shaft. And that Shaft is in Shaft, which the main character of Shaft is Shaft, who's the son of Shaft and Shaft. Oh. I really feel like we've been shafted with that. You know when you say a word so many times, it loses all meaning. Um, so Predators, just obviously, straight back into the content. Uh, Predators is produced by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, to sum it up very simply, a bunch of dangerous bastards are dropped into an alien, hunt, alien hunting reserve. So you have a cartel enforcer, a Spetsnaz soldier, uh, Israeli Defence Force sniper, RFU officer, a Death Royan mate, uh, Yakuza enforcer and Topher Grace. I was going to say a, a, a bunch of a bunch of dangerous people and Topher Grace and Topher Grace. The cartel enforcer is played by Danny Trejo. Yeah, and apparently in the script, the character was described as a guy who looks like Danny Trejo. <laughs> and Danny Trejo heard about this and he called Robert Rodriguez and said, "Hey, I heard there's a guy in the script for Predators who looks like Danny Trejo." And guess what? I look just like Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cast is really good. Uh, so Adrian Brody weirdly comes across quite well as like a fucking special forces soldier, and it is them trying to survive on an alien hunting reserve, basically. And you can either add Oscar as a character in her own right, um, just tack her on as you know a mercenary a fucking killer whatever you want her to be um or you can switch her in as the yakuza enforcer so the yakuza enforcer character is a japanese guy only speaks japanese rarely has any lines of dialogue in the film and he fights a predator with a katana what more do you want what more do you fucking want but it's a great film like it just doesn't get the credit 
it deserves. Like, it's so good. I mean, it's Robert Rodriguez doing a Predator movie with Danny Trejo in it. I mean, sold. <laughs> sold. Like, it's not, it's not amazing. It's nothing on Predator, which, holding my hands up, I legitimately think is one of the best films ever made. But it's also not Predator 2. And it's definitely not The Predator, which is one of the most disappointing films I've ever seen. Because The Predator is a Predator film written by Shane Black, and it's shit. Yeah, I've, I, never, I never got around to watching it. Don't. <laughs> so is, um, is Asuka not going to have some trouble in the jungle with her brightly coloured hair? Is she not going to kind of stick out like a sore thumb? Uh, it's called acting, Graham. You can't act your hair. You can. It's called a wig. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Um, yeah, no, she might. Uh, some kind of hair covering might be needed. Uh, a hat chance a beret if we just drop in the wrestler in straight from the ring she is going to stick out a bit like a sore thumb but she's also a badass and i i hedge some bets on it and so what what um what's her her kind of style what what's she bringing to the, the predator team is she a, is she a high flyer is she a so she's um i i, be- I believe her style would be described as she's fucking mental she's just dangerous Fair enough. Um, I don't think there's more to it than that. Uh, she brings the green mist, which is the ability to spit out a green mist that blinds people. And it definitely blinds people. They're not pretending. Wasn't that also the... Wasn't there a... Uh... It was a proper like 80s wrestling thing, I think. I seem to remember a Japanese wrestler from like the late 90s that had a similar thing. Um, that's going to annoy me because I was thinking I think a couple of people do you remember the boogeyman no Um, sorry not boogeyman that would be like a disco themed wrestler the bogeyman Tajiri that's the dude who did it Tajiri he used to do it as well yeah uh, the bogeyman ate worms yes oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah, yeah that was uh, that was a strange one but yeah so I would I, I would drop Asuka into an alien hunting reserve I think she'd win. If anything, it's unfair on the Predators. They might need to up their numbers. My final choice. I'm looking forward to this. So, peek behind the curtain. Usually, Graham tells me what his choices are, but he hasn't now, and I'm very intrigued. (laughs) Oh, you might be disappointed. Um, So... In you? Never. (laughs) So, we obviously spoke at the top of the, the episode about wrestlers that kind of had to be included in this list with The Rock, and... I think there's another one that really stands out more recently getting into films, although actually has been in something like 27 movies already, which really surprised me. He makes an appearance in, well, he would he would get to see Stone Cold in Endgame because he obviously, and the first time I saw him as an actor was in the role of Drax um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. And that is, of course, Dave Bautista. So Dave Bautista... To me, so he's also in a Scorpion King movie. I didn't realize oh, really? that. Dave Bautista to me is about is is also in that realm of like new wrestlers because he I think debuted around two thousand two as well. And so I never really saw him do much wrestling, but I've been really endeared to him as an actor. I think he's just 
great in everything I've seen him in. Um, so he's phenomenal as Drax in the Guardians movies and, and the Avengers movies. He's got very good sort of comedic delivery and timing, but obviously has the action elements to it as well. And uh, similar, I don't know if you've seen Stuba with Camille Najani. Najiani? I haven't, but I've I've seen the trailer. That is very like it's it's a it's kind of a silly movie, but it's 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 very funny and he's very good in it. He also has got like the pure action rolls down. So he was in James Bond, Inspector, Hotel Artemis, and we've seen glimpses of him doing some like more serious acting in the role that I think we spoke about on a previous episode as well. But the role in um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He turned down being Fast and the Furious Nine um, because his his reason was that he wanted to focus on being on being in good movies, <laughs> which fair play. But also, he has there are a few stinkers on on his list. Um, but what I do like though, like he's he's gone out of his way to he's been very open about taking steps to improve his acting. Yep, rather than just relying on the fact that he's a he's got a monster yeah yeah exa- <laughs> exactly that oh, uh, just just uh, and by stinkers i assume you're referring to kickbox avengers yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know what you know what he is going to be in i'm really looking forward to which is a tv series i try to crowbar in everywhere i can is c so the jason momoa post-apocalyptic okay where everyone in the world is blind apart from a very select people, and it's seen as like heresy kind of thing. Uh, Dave Batista is apparently being cast in season two. I would strongly recommend it to everyone, mainly because I really want to talk about it with people, and nobody else has fucking seen it. Well, because not many people can see. But also, nice. I'd never heard of it so until this very yeah, moment. But it's so, so good. Um, some of the Jason Bobba fight scenes in it are incredible. Please continue, Graham. J- uh, Dave Batista, the spear, I believe. But yeah, I, I, I've never, as I say, I never really saw him wrestle that much. The whole Drax thing was my first real introduction to him, and I was, I would say, kind of skeptical to say the least when I saw him cast in Guardians of the Galaxy, because I guess I kind of had the perception of like you know, wrestlers don't always necessarily make that transition particularly well, but but he nailed it, I think. But yeah, so. The move here and the uh, hill that I'm going to die on is that we should add Dave Batista to any movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you fucking cop out. But, but also, fair enough. Because I think he just has shown this range, right? And I just, I, I can't. And like you said, the whole like he's he's focusing on like becoming a better actor, and I I just think he would improve improve any film. Like you know, pick a film, he'd improve it. Schindler's List. <laughs> They'd beat the Nazis. Yeah, I I think the, the the only problem you have with Dave Bautista, which weirdly is a problem you have with Tom Hardy sometimes, is trying to make him look like he's not pure muscle. Because Tom Hardy did uh, Lawless which was a 1920s bootlegger film while he was bulking up for Bane. And they had to try to make it look like this bootlegger who lived in the woods with his brothers wasn't capable of just destroying a man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could have, they could have really leaned into the bootlegger thing and just like being, he was holding, hiding like alcohol under his, on his yeah. biceps and stuff. Um, hams. Yeah. But then again, I think they did quite a good job of it in, um, in Blade Runner 
he he's not as imposing in that. Um, what is the? It's it's what a small pair of glasses do for you. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, he he would be really good in like a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's got kind of like the quirkiness. He genuinely has, that. yeah, and he just has like really good comedic timing. I think. I think that's that's one thing that really sticks out, particularly with the the Drax character. But um, yeah, I like again, and, and similar to what you spoke about, I guess with the Rock as well is like, I guess if I'd have to be pushed, I would go for that kind of like Tarantino esque role where he like because he does it for there's like that element of it in, in Blade Runner where he is having that this serious acting but it's a fairly short scene as a as very much a supporting character whereas to have him like take a lead role in something in and seeing him kind of really you know again flex his acting muscles um would be would be great to watch, I think. Have you seen... I completely forgot this was a thing until I was sitting here looking through his IMDb. Have you seen Final Score, which is an action movie set at the old West Ham ground? No, I've heard of it. Um, they, they had to CGI extra stands, apparently, because there's no way really to be held in the, that West Ham stadium because it's not an arena. It's four stands. There's ways out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it would have been Upton Park right before they moved to um, the um, Olympic Stadium. The other thing which I remembered that I forgot but have remembered <laughs> is that um, completely unrelated to anything other than the fact that during the four years of Donald Trump's presidency, Dave Batista was a fantastic troll of the man on all forms of social media, um, just calling out Trump's bullshit, which doesn't really lean into any of the the reasons um behind him being a great actor but just think it's a it's a good thing to to be aware of so um dave batista was in a film that has a massive link with quentin tarantino do you know what film that is Ooh. um it was a film that was supposed to have a crossover with django unchained no i don't know what that is so he was in oh it's not it's not um it's not the Man with the Iron Fist, is it? Yes. So he was in the Man with the Iron Fist. I didn't realize. Um, like bronze, uh, brass body. <laughs> of course. Um, but I, I think it was one of his first, like his first kind of wave of films. Because I think yeah. he did that. He then did Riddick. And then he did Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I didn't realize how early, like relatively early in his movie career, Guardians of the Galaxy was. Again, because I'd always kind of been aware of him, I'd assumed he'd always done stuff. Yeah, it was quite... Because Guardians of the Galaxy was, what, 20... 14. 14. Okay, later than I thought it was. Which is because there's been, like, 18 Marvel films since then. Yeah, this is this is very true. I, I'm, I'm used to an installed... I still count installments per year rather than <laughs> anything else. Yeah, also... Man of the Iron Fist has a very good soundtrack, which is completely... Oh, God, yeah. Completely... Um, it better have. It's made by the fucking RZA. Yeah, but the like, um, can you imagine? Can you imagine the RZA making a film that then turns out having a shit soundtrack? Yeah, this is very true. Like the sheer embarrassment of it all. But the um, the baddest man alive, which is um, RZA and uh, the Black Keys, is yeah. such a good song. Anyway, completely, completely off topic. But yeah, that would be. I, I wonder why that never happened. Um, I'm not. Sure. I I don't know if it was a timing thing. 
And by timing thing, I mean Django Unchained was already like two and a half hours long. Yeah, probably. Because um, I think the idea was... No, uh, scheduling conflicts that prevented the RZA participating, apparently. Okay. So he was supposed to... Django was going to meet a younger version of the blacksmith character from The Man with the Iron Fist, basically. Okay. That, that, would, have been, that would have been cool. There's, there is a crossover comic, actually, of Django Unchained, which is oh, nice. um, Django, Unchained, uh, Django and Zorro. Oh, because of course. Because of course. <laughs> um, okay, all right. So let, let's, let's try and narrow this down from every film ever made. So you're saying you, you want more, more serious... I want to see his. I want to see his shit. like his serious acting chops. Well, you got Dune coming out soon. Yeah, which he's in. Which again is another film. Which if it is bad, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to live with the things I said about it. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean Oscar Isaac's beard. Have you seen it? I haven't. No, but what a guy. It's always. I mean, if it's anything like his Machina beard, then um... he's in uh, Army of the Dead. The latest Zack Schneider zombie film, which looks like it could be fun. It also looks like it's Dead Rising 2? 3? Yeah. 2? The one where you're the dirt bike guy. Yeah, yeah, that's 2. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. I see what you're doing here. Not not happy with every film ever being chosen, because I have to Photoshop the top 3 ranking afterwards. <laughs> that's going to take some time. I can't wait. <laughs> also, fair play. Dave Bautista's fucking amazing. I would watch him in anything he's in. Um, I think I have. Like, I've watched Kickboxer Vengeance. I wish I hadn't, but I watched it. Yeah, and that 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 was the thing that made me think. Like when when he when he was saying that he wanted to be in good movies, and that's why he didn't want to do Fast and Furious Nine. You hypocrite, sir. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's great. He's also um, he's also briefly in what we do in the shadows as well. He's in an episode of that TV. Series. Yes, he's in the 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 trial episode. The... The court episode, right? Yeah, yeah. The council, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, fair shout. He was also in an episode of Neighbours, because of course he was. (laughs) So, out of your top three then. Yep. Now we have gone through our lists of five films plus every film ever made. (laughs) Um, What would your final top three be? Um, Final top three, I guess in third place I'd have to put Stone Cold in Endgame because whilst it's undeniably great, I, I clearly am being a bit of a bit of a twat there. Second place, it's a tough one, but I think I'll go Batista in everything. I think he's great, and I want to see more of him. But I think leaning into and like the fiend as a sort of as a character, a wrestling character. Because I guess with like Stone Cold and The Fiend, I really focused in on like keeping the wrestling persona, whereas Dave Bautista is the actor. Yeah, yeah. I think just seeing The Fiend as a as an antagonist in, in this case, Friday the Thirteenth, but you could probably drop him into any horror movie, right? I just think there's there's so much that that could be done there. He's such an interesting character. Plus, you get the two for one deal bringing Alexa Bliss along as well. So. That would be my order. How about you? Uh, nice. I, that's an interesting one, because I honestly would have put Stone Cold's Endgame number one, because I can very... <laughs> it's just before... Uh, yeah. I, I could so perfectly imagine that. So with my choices, so number three, as much as I love him, the rock-breaking brand isn't going to happen. So I'm going to put the rock in Brawl and Cell Block 99 number three. Uh, number two, I'm going to go 
Oscar in Predators. I think she's fucking perfect, the film. I think the film doesn't change by adding her either. I, I think she just kind of strengthens what is already a good ensemble cast. Oh, so exactly like um, Endgame and Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, or um, every film ever made. Um, and then number one, I'm going being John Cena because I could legitimately see him doing it and I still think it would be a fucking incredible film. And again, you don't have to change it that much. You just replace, which is a weird thing to say, you don't have to change it that much. You just replace John Malkovich with John Cena. I'd like to see the the DVD cover, like the poster where it's all of the pictures of John Malkovich. Well, you'd also got to, there's, there's an incredible scene in being John Malkovich where John Malkovich goes through the John Malkovich door and it's just a world everyone's got the face of John Malkovich and all they say is Malkovich. Oh yeah, because there's the terrifying like large-breasted woman with John yes. Malkovich's face. Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. <laughs> but you'd have that with Cena. Cena, 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 Cena. I, I, think, he, I think he could get behind that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's my number one is being John Cena. Okay. Um, it's a film I would watch. It's a film I still legitimately think would be funny. And I think it's a film everyone, apart from, apart from Charlie Kaufman, who only ever wanted John Malkovich. But I don't think he's a wrestling fan. So maybe if he knew who John Cena was back in like the fucking 90s when he wrote this, maybe maybe it would have been John Cena. We don't know. We, we do know it wouldn't have been. But well, the, the, And also the added benefit is that you could have being John Cena, but you could cast Dave Bautista in it because he's... Well, all right. Well, well, we'll replace... All right, we're immediately going for concessions. Um, <laughs> we'll throw Batista in. He can be the John Cusack character. Okay. So a failed puppeteer um, <laughs> who discovers this door into John Cena's mind. If you want, we, we, we'll also throw him into the jungle. Why not? Yeah. I mean, he would, to be fair, he, he would not look out of place in Predators. I would, I, I would happily swap Adrian Brody out for Dave Bautista in um, Predators. Because Adrian Brody plays like special ops, right? He's a mercenary. Okay. So US Special Forces turned mercenary. Yeah. He put, on, he put on 11 kilos of muscle, which when we're talking about replacing him with Dave Bautista, it's like a proper like, aww. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 11, 11 whole kilos of muscle. But also that's now coming from me. Who I've had two servings of Viennetta today and was going to go healthy, but instead served chicken with a shitload of cheese. So, you know, I'm one to talk. So if Adrian Brody is listening to this, um, The Pianist is a great film. Well done. And that weird one, you're in a straight jacket with Kira Knightley. That was a bit weird. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, joint top three. Yeah. What, what, what are we saying? Given that Dave Bautista's in all of them, apparently. <laughs> Dave Bautista is in all six films. Um, well, all five films, plus all films. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. I, I, I want to see being John Cena. I do I do want to see that. Yeah, The the Fiend in Friday the 13th, for me, for me definitely stands out. I, I would have been more inclined to do the Predators one if it was Becky Lynch instead of Oscar, but that's maybe because I'm, I'm more aware of her and I can... Like, she... She looks like she should be in that movie. Yeah, so 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 Becky Lynch, she would have as a different character. I yeah, think. yeah, you would have her as like Irish. There, there is an Irish special forces that I made a note of, but it was going to be her. It's like Ranger Force or something like that. She would be a different character. Asuka, I would have as the Yakuza enforcer character. Yeah. Um. So she still she still could fit in, 
obviously she'll probably have to get rid of the, the brightly covered hair, but I think as a, she would still be very, very good at it. Yeah, I don't know. I just it, to me it was more obvious like the Becky Lynch character when you'd mentioned that, but again, I haven't seen any of the Oscar stuff, so that may be playing into that. Ah, well, I'm about to send you a shitload of YouTube links. <laughs> um, f- for, 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 <laughs> the thing for me is, I honestly would have done um, Stone Cold's Endgame. I mean, do you know what? Fuck it. I put him third because I was pissing about, but I'm I'm game for bringing uh, him in. So, so the, the only reason is, like you said, I, I, I think The Fiend deserves his own horror movie. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. I think that is... I, I do like the whole character. Like, there's enough around the character anyway to build a build a horror movie around. Yeah, but he would still be... Yeah, he would still be very good in Friday the 13th. I mean, he's just a lot better than Jason's mum. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know, I know we've laboured this point a lot, but a lot of people don't realise that Jason Voorhees, like, as a killer, isn't in Friday the 13th. Well, Jason is in Friday the 13th as a drowned, deformed boy. Yeah. Who appears that, right at the it. end in a yeah. in a sort of dream sequence? That's a fuck, uh, fuck man. The Friday Thirteenth films are weird. Um, oh, nobody and- wants nobody wants to be the one to admit it, but they're shit. They yeah, they are. <laughs> Ironically <laughs> enough, they're very camp as well. Um, hey, because Camp Crystal Lake, because yeah. I'm camp. Oh God, this is this is why. Yeah, this is why we have a podcast. It's for gold um, like that and Hulk shit. <laughs> I don't think no Hulk. We've been over this here. And Hulk jizz is green, not gold. It's not green. <laughs> my, as I often tell you, my jizz isn't skin coloured. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, not everything is green. God. Um, okay, so w- what are you saying for final top three then? Um, Ian, at this point, I've I've kind of lost the plot a little bit. Um, just yeah, let's throw Stone Cold stunnering Thanos with his theme music as he appears. I like being John Cena. And then Dave Bautista in any movie is technically in all of these top three. So I guess we can have the caveat that he doesn't necessarily fall into it. But I still think Dave Bautista should be in all of them. Are we saying John Cena won? Yeah, by submission or three count. Nice. It was, um, I would I would go being John Cena, end game, predators. Okay. Nah. Can I convince you to change it to Becky Lynch or are you, are you stuck on, on Asuka? I, I'm... I'm, I'm Stuck with Oscar, but Dave Bautista's in it as well. So. True. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Lock, lock so, it in. So the podcast nobody asked for is top three films we would add wrestlers to. Uh, number three, we have Oscar in Predators, which is also going to feature Dave Bautista. Number two, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin helping Captain America save the day in Endgame with Dave Bautista. Well, he's already there, to be fair. He's already there, yeah. <laughs> and number one, we have what is going to be the best film ever made, being John Cena, with John Cena. And Dave Bautista. And Dave Bautista. If you agree with our choices, um, if you had any better or more well-thought-out ideas, uh, you can reach us on Instagram, at the podcast nobody asked for. Uh, you can also buy us a coffee over at ko-fi.com forward slash the podcast nobody asked for uh, all of that money goes into making the podcast even bigger even better i'm assuming at some point we'll come up with some more pointless merchandise because what else do we have to do yeah and if you have any ideas for pointless merchandise why not tell us about it on twitter at nobody asked for pod um, and you can find us there on you can find us at the same address on facebook 
as well. And also rate us on Apple Podcasts and put any future episode ideas into the review and we will do the best ones. So yeah, that was um, that was fun. Ridiculous. But that's wrestling, right? It's fun and ridiculous. So it's on brand. for this yes, and it's nearly been an hour so I'm going to go have another piss <laughs> I'm going to buy you a catheter for Christmas thanks man all I need is a piss sack <laughs> what did I say that started yeah. Alexa playing something by the Shangri-Las <laughs> you said all I need in life is a piss sack <laughs> <laughs>